It's the Locked On Aggies Podcast, presented by Locked On Podcast Network, talking all things Texas A&M. Now, here's your host, Cole Thompson. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat, talking all things Texas A&M. And guys, let's just talk about it. Texas A&M basketball. I know that they're not what you expect them to be as this heroic team that's going to be hoisting the NCAA trophy at the end of the year, but a couple of months ago, people were wondering if Buzz Williams was the right hire. And after Tuesday's big-time win over Auburn, all that does is it solidifies he was the right guy for the job. Plus, we're going to be looking ahead at some of the baseball moments the Aggies will be taking on the other Aggies. And, of course, we'll be doing a little bit of NFL conversation with some of the names going around of who could be on the market. But before we begin, make sure you're following us on social media at Locked On Aggies. Locked On Aggies is your number one source for all your Locked On Aggies content. You can check out all of our great work at LockedOnPodcast.com. Second, Aggies SI. All Aggies, part of Sports Illustrated and the Locked On Podcast Network, have partnered together to give you quality content surrounding all things Texas A&M. You can check out all of that great work at si.com slash T-A-M-U. And finally, if you like me, if you like what I'm saying, if you think I'm smart, if you think you know what I'm doing is a pretty good job, even if you hate me, I mean, I love hate mail. I really do. It's kind of fun. But just message me at Mr. Cole Thompson. My name is Cole Thompson. I am a mister. It's that simple. Don't wear it out. At Mr. Cole Thompson, at Aggies SI, and last but certainly not least, at Locked on Aggies. Two months ago, if you would have sat me down and we would have had a conversation talking A&M basketball, I would have probably been bored out of my freaking mind. Not gonna lie. There's no reason to believe that this A&M team, which besides the additions of Emmanuel Miller and Andre Gordon, we're going to be any different than any other team we've seen in the past. Yes, Buzz Williams is a good coach, and yeah, he is a guy who I think is going to solidify himself as someone to not mess around with in the SEC. But everywhere he's gone, from Marquette to Virginia Tech to even New Orleans, everywhere, he's had years to build up a roster. And I just wasn't sold that this was going to be a year of predominantly good basketball. Yeah, sure. Would they finish maybe with a couple of big-time wins? I don't know. Let's say four four or five wins in the SEC. Maybe one big upset win. Yeah, I thought that. I really thought that. But now we're entering the final game of the season. A&M will take on Arkansas tomorrow for senior night as some of the players say goodbye to Reed Arena for the final time in their careers. And A&M is sitting with a 15-14 and 14 record, and they're above 500 in the SEC. Not only that, they got the biggest win of the Buzz Williams era on Wednesday night. Not only did they spoil Auburn's senior night, they obliterated it. And also, it kind of helps, and I wrote this earlier in the week, it kind of helps because... Auburn is 0-5 against A&M at Auburn Arena. They've won only at Reed Arena since A&M has joined the SEC. And that's the case now. They're 0-5. That win is why you want to coach like someone in the form of Williams. 
you look at all of that, this will be the Aggies' fifth win in seven games if they would be able to beat Arkansas, who comes in at 19-11, and 7-10 in SEC play. That game will go on at 2.30 on Saturday. Game's going to be televised on SEC Network. But you look a little bit at what's going on with this A&M team. They got a 78-75 upset over Auburn. All the players who you expect to be good are playing that well. Josh Nebo, the team leader, 19 points last game. Wendell Mitchell, Savion Flag, J.J. Chandler, 10, 14, 14 respectively. They have done a fantastic job spreading the ball around and getting these wins. Also, I just want to give a lot of credit to what Williams has done on the road in the SEC. It's automatically hard to play in a conference like this where you do have your two big powerhouses, and that would be probably Kentucky and Auburn. Really Kentucky right now, I think. And then you have your really good sound teams like Florida, Arkansas, Auburn. You have an Alabama team that's doing pretty well right now. You have an inconsistent yet somewhat consistent Mississippi State team. You have LSU. And you get five road wins. You get one in Auburn. You get one in Tuscaloosa, Alabama against the Crimson Tide. You get one in Vanderbilt. You get one in Knoxville. And I think there you got, yeah, you got one in Missouri. I mean, I'm looking at this and I'm looking at how A&M has played. It's asininely astronomical how insane people are to say Buzz Williams is not in the conversation for SEC Coach of the Year. This is a team that no matter what will finish above 500 this year. Let's just get that out of the way. They will finish 500 or better. They're going into Saturday's game at 15 and 14. The worst they can finish is 500 in both SEC play and also in regular season play. That's awesome. 30 games and they're going to be able to go possibly 16 and 14, 10 and 8. Against a 7-10 Arkansas team in, in conference play? I mean, listen. They're going to have to stop Mason Jones because he's freaking phenomenal. He's averaging 33 points a game over the last three games. But how do you not look at Buzz Williams and just go, wow. I never would have imagined this would have been the case. Because the reality is you shouldn't have imagined it. Because it's not heard of for a player like this or a coach like this to work with players from a roster that he barely recruited. Yeah, he got two guys. He got Miller and he got Gordon. But you add all that together. It's amazing that you look at this roster and just go, wow. I cannot believe that we are witnessing this team do things unheard of. And AM now has a real shot to make the NIT. They absolutely have a real shot to make the NIT. And if Billy Kennedy's here, they don't. I'll, I'll come out and say that right now. Billy Kennedy's coaching AM. They do not have a shot whatsoever for the tournament. Instead, they go and get one of the best names for rebuilding programs, and they're probably a win away in the SEC tournament to guaranteeing a spot in the NIT. Speaking of guaranteed, there's a lot of players who are from AM that are going to be looking for guaranteed contracts in the NFL. We'll be breaking down that in just a quick moment. 
Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, let me ask you a question. Do you like Locked On Podcasts? Do you like Locked On Aggies? Well, if you do, you're doing something right. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, you deserve an extra scoop of ice cream, a little bit more whipped cream on that pie tonight. Go get some extra sleep, whatever you want. You've earned it. If you don't like us, let me ask you another question. What are you doing? Guys, we have a ton of great content surrounding all things in the SEC, college football, college basketball, MLB, NFL, NHL, NBA, and last but certainly not least, fantasy sports. So check out all of our great podcasts and all of our great content at LockedOnPodcast.com. We already spoke a little bit about Texas A&M basketball and how Buzz Williams is probably going to be the name to watch for in SEC play, but I also want to turn my attention and look at some of the names in free agency. There's a couple of Aggies that are going to hit the free agent market that could be up for a big payday, and I want to look at some of them. Let's start with the big name right now. It's Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill astronomically changed his career last year when he went from Miami to Tennessee. Everyone thought that he was going to be nothing more than a backup. He was done. His career was over. Instead, goes 7-3. and three, Helps because of... And let's just get this out of the way. I think Ryan Tannehill deserves to be paid. I really do. Because if he's done his job keeping the team afloat... But the team was good because of Derrick Henry. Tannehill did a part... But the team was good in the playoffs because of Derrick Henry. But 7-3 and and an AFC championship appearance is worthy of getting paid big-time money. You look at the Titans' salary cap right now, they're sitting at about $50.4 million, $50. million in actual cap space. With effective cap space, I think it's more around like $55, uh, 50, no, $50.5 million. He should be paid there. But there's a rumor going around that because of the turn of events with Mike Vrabel speaking to Tom Brady and Julian Edelman at that game, Vrabel, a former teammate of Tom, uh, someone who was on all of those Super Bowl teams in the 2000s with New England. Also, I think I think he was still there in that first one in the two losses to New York. So he's been to four Super Bowls. They're buddies. They know each other. The team does technically need a quarterback since Tannehill's a free agent, and they're looking to go ahead and sign Derrick Henry to a long-term deal. They can maybe get Tom Brady, put him on a franchise tag with Henry. They also want to bring in a guy like maybe Antonio Brown because if he wants to play with Brady and Brady wants to play with Brown. So let's just say, out of curiosity, he goes to Tampa. Well, what's the next best option for a guy like Tannehill? You look at cap space and you take all that combined. He's not going to go to Indianapolis. I can already tell you that. He's not a Chris Ballard guy. He's not a Frank Reich guy. That's going to be easily Phillip Rivers. The Dolphins have the most in cap space. They're not bringing him back. They're drafting a guy. They're going to run it out with Ryan Fitzpatrick for a year. Say hello to Tua Tungavailoa. Roll Tide. Say hello to Justin Herbert. Quack, quack. Say hello to Jordan Love. Uh, I'm not sure how I did do an Aggie sound so I guess yeehaw but that's gonna happen with of course Miami you look at the other names Browns nope Cowboys nope Giants nope Redskins nope Broncos nope Raiders 
if they're going a quarterback route, I think they're going to go draft one. They already have a good one in Derek Carr. I don't get the reasoning why. Lions, Bengals, Seahawks. I think the team that would make a lot of sense for Tannehill if he doesn't go to Tennessee would be the team that Tom Brady's leaving, and that's New England. They have roughly about, let's see, I think they're, yeah, they're at $41 million in cap space. Tannehill's going to require probably about $20 million a year. So that's still $21 million you can pay, if not more, on free agents to bring in. Bill Belichick is known for not making big-time free agent signings. The Stephon Gilmore one was one of the few. He traded for Randy Moss. He didn't sign him. He signed him to an extension later, but that was a trade. It was never him going to get him. I could see him thriving with Josh McDaniels. And then they go ahead and they draft their quarterback, maybe at the end of the first round, maybe a Jacob Eason out of Washington. Maybe they go get Jake Fromm and they try and see what they can do with him. Maybe it's they go ahead and trade for Jimmy Garoppolo even. And Tannehill's the insurance. I don't see it happening. But I do see that if the option is for Tannehill to leave Tennessee, go to an offense that kind of you're mirroring. You got to realize that Tennessee and Detroit are just New England light. They're both by New England people. One is a New England player. The other is a New England coach. And Matt Patricia Vrabel, and both the GMs, John Robinson and Bob Quinn, came from the New England system. This is going to happen. Like, that's what I personally think. He's not going to go to Tampa. He's not going to go to a team that doesn't have the money in cat space. He's going to a team such as New England. You can book that right now. If he's a free agent, that's where he's going. If it's not Tennessee, and ultimately I do think it is Tennessee, but I'm not going to sit here and be sold if it's not. The next one, Jermaine Urfetti. This is a weird one. This is a name that I would very much like to look at because of he is a free agent. He is a guy who is coming off of four years of inconsistent football. He was meant to be a right-left tackle. He's found some success at right tackle. He's never been an elite tackle at his position he's never even been an elite offensive lineman but he does have the size to where if you want to kick him inside you could if you wanted to play the tackle position he could or if you want to play him at the left tackle even in a pinch or play that swing tackle role kind of like Cameron Fleming does for Dallas you could there's a lot of ways you could play Urfetti the question is where does he go Seattle has 44.56 million in cap space. They have a need, I think, for it. I think the Los Angeles Chargers would make a lot of sense. They just traded Russell Okun to Carolina, and they're going to need to get another tackle in there. Because here's my thing. Imagine if you're a free agent and you want to possibly go to Los Angeles. And Tom Telesco comes up to you and goes, Hey, here are our tackles. A no-namer and Trey Pimpkins, who we drafted in the third round out of a freaking middle-of-nowhere college, who was not good last year. Come join us. No. They have $49 million in cap space. You can probably get someone like Erfetti for, I don't know, I would say 
somewhere in that maybe 10 to 12 range a year for a three-year contract, $35 million. You get that. I think he'd be a good fit in, in Anthony Lynn's system. I think that he could go back to Seattle. I also think the Jets could pay him. If the Jets are really sold on getting more help for Sam Darnold, play uh, play Ifedi at right guard, sign Jack Conklin, you bring the two in, $49 million. Those are probably going to be your two big free agent signings. You're going to have to do minimal stuff after that, but you can't afford both. And I think that he would fit on the inside. Uh, last, I'm just going to go real quick with this one. Michael Bennett, where do I think he best plays right now? I'm going to say his best role for the moment would be going back to a team like Dallas on a very minimal contract. He's a Dallas native. Uh, he's a Texas native. He knows the system. I think he would do very well there for one year, probably $6 million. They have the fourth or fifth most in cap space at $77.9, almost $78 million in cap space. If he doesn't go there, Tampa, who's right above him at $79 million, would be another fit. I think that he would work in a Bruce Arian system, uh, especially a, ta- um, a, a Todd Bowles system, more importantly. So those would be my picks for him. I think it's going to be Dallas, or it's going to be Buccaneers. For Jermaine Fetty. I think it would be right now the Chargers, the Jets. I think, uh, no, the Chargers, the Jets, or the Seahawks. My bad. And for Ryan Tannehill, it's simple. If he doesn't go to New England because of Tom Brady goes to Tennessee, it's because Tennessee already signed him to an extension. Speaking of extensions, baseball is back at Bluebell Park. They're extending their home winning streak after a win over Texas A&M Corpus Christi. Will they be able to do the same when Nick Gonzalez and the New Mexico State Aggies come to town? We'll be breaking that down in just a quick moment. Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat. Hey guys, make sure you're following us on social media. It's really simple. All you gotta do is follow me at Mr. Cole Thompson at Aggies SI. And last but certainly not least, Locked On Aggies. Right now, we are looking at AM baseball. Rob Childress's squad will take the mound this upcoming weekend for a three-game series against the New Mexico State Aggies. Now, Some of you might be sitting here and just going, okay, it's Aggie versus Aggie. I made this joke earlier in an article. I think it's funny. I think it's really true. Because the reality is, I don't know what an Aggie is besides more of a military leader. But the one that is for New Mexico State looks like an outlaw. I mean, have you ever seen the logo? It looks, he's wrangling cattle. He's on a horse wrangling cattle. So I think of him as a cowboy. And I said that this town ain't big enough for the two of us because they're both Aggies. And I think it works. I think the joke really works because of College Station is vastly large. Anyone who's been to College Station knows it is a giant area, but it's also a lot of open land too. So that's the biggest thing with A&M. So the town is technically big enough for both, and they're both Aggies, so it would work. But one Aggie's walking home a winner, one's walking home a loser. Asa Lacey takes the mound tonight. He had a stellar outing against Illinois. In fact, to be honest, against the Fighting Illini, he was the only good thing for that for the entire team. Six innings pitch, two hits. I think it was three walks. Uh, season high, 11 strikeouts. I think it was Wheeler or Chris Weber who allowed that one run late in the game uh, for the Illini to win one nothing. He will get the mound. And he's also going to face off against probably his toughest task. People seem to forget this all the time because of he plays for a smaller school. But Utah, uh, New Mexico State is 12-1 and 1 
on the year. And a lot of it's due to one player, Nick Gonzalez. And if you don't know that name, I guess it's okay, but you probably should because literally he has been tearing up baseball this entire year. He's going to, I think, be in the running for, if not the Golden Spikes Award, most productive offensive player. There's no way he's not. You look at the numbers on the year for him. He has, right now, as it stands, 26 runs, 12 home runs, 36 RBIs, all leading the NCAA. He's also third in slugging percentage with 1.354 and a .65 on base percentage. He's getting on base over half of his at-bats. And Rob Childress came out with a really good quote earlier today talking about how you prepare for a guy like Gonzalez. Childress said that he's the kind of guy you cannot expect to go out to one side of the plate or the other, one sequence, one pattern, and expect to get him out. You have to go mix each and every at-bat and execute pitches, and even still, he has such great hand-eye coordination that it's going, he's going to get his hits. There's been guys trying to stop this kid all year, and they haven't been able to. Asa Lacey is a guy who's getting looked at as top three conversation when we look at names going into this upcoming MLB draft. This is going to be a battle, and this is going to be one that I think if you are a fan of college baseball, you're going to want to see him go take the mound tonight. You're going to want to see him go ahead and try and dominate against this offense. Again, 12-1. and one, 12 and one. They have one loss on the year. There's no way you look at this team and you're not going to be able to say, oh, well, maybe they'll be okay. Lacey comes in with a 2-0 uh, winning percentage. 2-0 record, my bad. He didn't win his last game. Unfortunately, it was 0-0. 1.06 ERA. He'll take on Chance Horsch tonight. He has a 2-0 record, 3.79 ERA. Saturday, Christian Rower takes the mound. He is 2-1 after the loss to number 8 UCLA. Comes in with a 4.60 ERA. Taking on Chris Barraza, sophomore to a record 1.80 ERA. And on Sunday, you will have uh, Chris Jefferson from New Mexico State take the mound. Coming in with a 1.0 ERA, 2-0 record. The Aggies have yet to name a starter. I'm going to go A&M somehow gets a sweep again. They're going to keep their home winning record alive. They'll improve to 16-3 and on the year, probably moving back up into the rankings. Maybe not top 25, like, you know, top 10, but they'll be, I think, around that 18 range. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson, at Aggies SI. And last but certainly not least, Locked on Aggies. Tomorrow, we will be doing Asking Aggies, bringing questions up around everything Texas A&M, whether it be basketball, whether it be baseball, football, you get them in, we'll talk about them. So make sure you tune in tomorrow. We'll see you then. And remember, kick them y'all. This has been Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked on Podcast Network.